Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 149 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. A special edition of Sports, Clicks, and Politics today with an in-studio guest, as you probably can see if you're looking in here. We have a little bit different camera angle. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Keith Redhead. Well, thanks for having me. Supervisor-elect, I hear. Yep. Rumor uh, has it. Big old town of Ava, New York. Yeah. Gonna well, put it on the libertarian map. Yeah. You are the, as I put in the show notes, the Javier Malay of New York. You guys are like twins. Well, I understand I'm the highest elected official in the libertarian that's party. That's all that matters. <laughs> so, that's it. That's it. <laughs> You're the only yeah, elected right. official. I mean, I think, but... Um, again, welcome. Thank you for coming into the studio. I know it's not a, uh, a short trip there, so thank you for making the trip. Absolutely. Um, as always, joined as the uh, unofficial co-host, I guess official. I, I mean, at this point. At th- you're, it was a tentative, the three-year tentative co-host? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, four years. Three years. I think year four, we can make it official. Yeah, you're good. So uh, how was your weekend, Mr. Hughesong? My weekend was great. And uh, what happened? Give My me some son's details. flag football team brought home the championship. I was coaching, so I get some credit for that, obviously. I don't know how much. Uh, but he did great. He played great in it. I was proud of him and uh, took home the big trophy. So that was obviously very exciting. Where do you play flag football around here? Uh, that one is down at Ultimate Goal in Marcellus. Gotcha. Oh, indoors. Uh, indoor nice. flag football, yes. So they did uh, They did a great job. Obviously, the, uh, the rest of the weekend went by in a blur, um, as they tend to do. Got some wood bl- moved around. You know, got got more wood delivered. It's a it's a whole thing. Tis the season. Tis the season indeed. But Ben likes to think he has a four season room that he or whatever, so he can just go hang out in the fire pit and make s'mores in the winter. I do have a four season oh. fire pit. All right, let's be clear. And why wouldn't you want s'mores all year? I'm, thank right? you. Yes. he gets it. Do you do you cook any eggs over the uh, in the four season room for your chickens? Yet. I haven't yet, but I will have uh, you, at some point. Do you, you guys have uh, have you guys going into the egg business yet, or no? I mean, we we had a few people that will sell them to on occasion, but for the most part, we eat all the eggs. Oh, that's nice. Hard boil them. I have eggs almost every day now. It's they're delicious. Yeah, oh, we have good. seven chickens. All right. Yeah. This happened. This we've is got, the we've development. Got a bunch that, too. Yeah, this happened during the show. So at one point, he just came in. He's like, "We got chickens." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Like, I don't think you live on a farm. We don't. We don't. <laughs> you do now. <laughs> it's kind of like a farm yes. now. But so, yeah, got yeah. that. And then, uh, I, but we also heat our house with a wood-burning stove now. So you I, guys are, like, roughing it. I haven't turned my furnace on yet this year. Like, I'm going to have to after Christmas because I got family coming into town and they got to sleep in the basement. And that wood-burning stove does mm. not warm up the basement at all. And they got little kids, so I can't the little kids be in 58-degree weather all day. Interesting. So, Put a jacket on. Furnace got to go on next week. But for now, we, we're holding strong and just keep feeding logs into that wood burner. Let's get and, it done. And we'll get into the, the Bills-Dallas Cowboys uh, part of your weekend uh, in a little bit here. But that was also exciting, huh? Yeah, Josh. We Allen, talked about that a little bit last week. Josh Allen sucks at football. 94 yards passing. My God. I had him in my fantasy what? team, and he sucked. <laughs> yeah, I had both. I had both. Tight ends in my in, in the team too. I don't think either one of them had a catch no. the last time I watched. So well, it was, it was that a very unusual game. I also had CD Lamb. That whole game sucked for me. So that was a rough night for yeah, you. Yeah, didn't work out. I enjoyed the hell out of it. We got a couple of my neighbors all got together at, at one of the houses and did like uh, we had we had short ribs, we had pork belly, we had we had more food than any one of us could have possibly eaten. Like it was so much, 
and we didn't even cook everything because like we realized it as we were going through like, hey, we could have fed ten times the people that are here right now with what's out. Um, there's there was just not it was not well planned. We all we all just started bringing a bunch of food over. It was it wasn't well thought out. I but, agree. Yeah, well, it was I a mean, lot of fun. Yeah, sure. And what about Mr. Redhead? How was your weekend? Do you do anything special on the weekends, or do you just work? I uh, I try not to work as much as I can. Uh, Are you the boss? We had a pretty good day. We did a uh, had Santa come visit one of our tap rooms. Nice. So we got lucky. Called that uh, in, and somehow he showed up. Nice. So went down with the kids to see Santa. Then my other tap room just had our one year anniversary, so I had a band playing there. So drove up there, caught the band for a little bit. Pretty good Sunday. So. Little background here, Mr. Redhead is the uh, proprietor of uh, Woodland Brewery. Is that correct? Yeah, so I own own the business. Uh, do all the brewing myself. Um, Brewmaster. Yeah, you can yeah, say nice. That, so skilled. It's, and so, do you have just what? Do you have one place, or do you have two? Or how, how does I have give a, me a little my, lowdown? My main brewery itself has a tap room, and that's in Marcy, which is okay. a town in Utica. Um, and then last year, just isn't before, there a jail in Marcy? There is. Oh. Uh, some very important people have been there. Harvey Weinstein. Whoa. Came through there not too yeah. long ago. High roller, yeah. yeah. Um, so good people, cool. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then so I, I opened another tap room in Boonville where I live. Okay, uh, just before Christmas last year, so we got nice. two tap rooms around. Yeah, so that's awesome. I haven't been out there. I wanted to come out when you had uh, Robbie the Fire out there. Uh, I had an event at my place there, right. so uh, schedules didn't work out. But I will get out to your place at one point here. I, I'm gonna make a point of it. So I'm gonna hold you to that. Uh, you, nope, nope, definitely do. So. Um, so you had good work weekend. Any any fun stuff that I mean outside of Santa? I'm sure that's fun always, obviously. But like any, uh, I don't know. Do you do any hobbies? I'm trying to. We my, only met once. We only met my, once here, so I'm going to try to. Hobby, I'm trying to if, figure if I'm, if I'm able to like not, not work, not brewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, so we've got pigs, chickens, goats. We've been okay. doing a lot of outside work with them more than anything. Uh, if I'm home, um, just trying to do stuff with the kids. Nice. That's, no, that's that's kind of my leisure cut, time. Is we, if I can we spend time under, with the kids. That's yeah. it. We have an unofficial slogan for the show is touch grass, and it sounds like you touch a lot of grass. So we try to. You're you're way ahead of most people in the world. We'll so. be touching grass for next week because we got no snow at our house. I know. It's all melted. Nothing it's here either. I mean, I, you my know, they are, keep saying. My kids are ticked off. <laughs> and the skiers. I don't ski. I don't do anything on the snow other than complain, so I'm just that guy, and I've mm-hmm. lived here my whole life, so what the hell am I doing? That being said, I have, and I will again, uh, thanks to DraftKings, uh, able to hit to Florida for the month of February for each of the last couple of years. And I'll do that again this year. So nice. uh, going away for more than a week was something I had never done before. Like, you know, weeks, 10 days, whatever typical vacation. But when you go and you don't have to do anything for like a month, it kind of, everything slows down. You don't feel like you're rushed to, you know, check all the, they get all the tourist lists in right. or whatever. And you can kind of do what you want to do. And you don't have to worry about weather. You can do whatever. So it's you great. Must, so. You must get a little crazy towards the end of that though. Like, well, I mean, so when I only get crazy is, I drive because we bring the dogs. Mm-hmm. And so am I going to run into Syracuse weather on the way at some point between, right. you know, Miami or wherever I'm at to Syracuse, which is almost invariably yes. And we, we take three or four days trip up. So it's not like it's a big long thing because the dogs can't handle it. But um, that is the concern of mm-hmm. last year we were driving in. I think we actually came in like a day behind a huge storm that dropped like whatever feet. So we got back here. Really, I had to shovel my driveway to get into the from Florida. So that's how that went. Return into that. Yeah, yeah that's so. Fun. So great for a few weeks and, you know, I, I like to think springs, I mean, technically spring starts in March, but you know, whatever it's, it's, it gives me enough peace of mind where I don't have to shovel the driveway for a month or whatever. And it's, it's worth it. So, so we'll thank DraftKings again here. So, all right, Mr. Hughesong, we are going to touch on, let me get the right mouse over here. 
Let, let's touch on your Buffalo Bills. Sure. We talked about this last week of whether or not the Cowboys were real. I had kind of thought they were. They had seemed to not live up to expectations or whatever. Every team that they've played who seems to be good, they have not done well. I think I saw a point differential where they're like, you know, minus 38 in the four games of winning points or whatever. They are. They have not yet beat a good team. Didn't they um, just beat the Eagles last week? Sure. That's the one. I think they were one and three against okay. team with winning records. There you so go. with so a point a differential of like, okay, sure. Um, tell me about your Bills. I, like, I can't believe how they won that game. They literally got out there and just ran the ball James 20 Cook. times. James Cook had a career day. I didn't have him. Um, yeah, I, I did. I didn't, it worked out well. I still lost. But, um, no, he did great. And I think it was refreshing because I think the, the old regime under Ken Dorsey was much more inclined towards, I don't care what they are going to give us. I have Josh Allen and he throws far. And that was the entire offense. At least now it's like, hey, Josh you're not going to throw much today because our running backs are averaging about seven yards a carry. So we're just going to keep giving them the ball. Yeah. And, and I think he did finish the game like seven for 15 for 94 yards passing. Yeah. And it, they blew him out. The Cowboys seem to have been susceptible to the run, but because they always get up by so much teams abandon it and they can't do it. Yeah. So the bills obviously were able to get out in front and then just literally just run it down their throats, which was, you don't see that too much in today's NFL. You know, I don't watch as much as I used to. And I yeah. used to be, you know, I, I'm a Steelers fan. So, like, all I used to watch is Jerome Bettis. And that's all I used to do. Three yards in a cloud of dust four times. And that's they keep moving down the street, whatever. But the Bills have never seemed to be like that. Or at least not since not whatever. Since Thomas. There, yeah. yeah. So, um, interesting that they have that element to their game, I guess, that they can flip to that. I, I've never, I haven't been sold on Cook as being a lead back, if you will. He's clearly explosive and great out of the backfield, and he's probably fine for the, the Bills, the way they operate. Um, it was interesting to see that he could actually run the ball that many times and hold up and whatever. So, but I, was, I was very impressed. I've, I've thought that about him, that he was being underutilized because he is that good. And if you looked at his averages, he was always averaging five yards a carry, but he would only get nine carries. You're like, what? Maybe, maybe give him the ball a little more often. Just try it out. See. Give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, he's not Jerome Bettis, who was a fullback identifying as a running back. Let's just, let's be real about Jerome Bettis. That, sure. That man was enormous. The I, bus. He was huge. I never figured out how he made it as a running back being that size. Yeah, he was always that size. Though, I so know. Even in Notre Dame, he was gigantic. Was enormous. And yeah. they just gave him the ball, like, go run into people. So the Bills with the win. Huge win. I mean, it seems like they have to win out. That's pretty close. I mean, they end with the Dolphins, which is nice. So yeah. they if they could, in, a, in theory, kind of play for it all the last week of the season. I think the next two games they have are like the Patriots and Chargers. Patriots, yeah, two win wins. Winnable. Should be. I mean, w unless you're the Steelers. Well, the, the uh, they lost to the errors, the Cardinals and the Patriots back to back at home. <laughs> so I mean, they were bad. They shouldn't have had seven wins. Um, but the AFC is still loaded. I, I forgot to check this. Is CJ straight out for the year? Oh, I don't think so. Okay, so, because they got a win, big win for them yesterday. They beat Tennessee, I think it was, and on a, like an overtime field goal, I think yeah, it was. I think that's right. Now, they're 8-6. and six. Sure. You have the Bills. That's where the Bills are 8-6. and six. There's a bunch of, I, there's so many teams at 8-6 and six or 7-7 seven and seven that I think that the Bills pretty much have to win at least the next two games. And maybe they could escape, a, 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 or at least two of the next three games. I believe mathematically they they could lose one game okay. and still make the playoffs. But 
it's not a yeah. guarantee. Yeah. Whereas if they win out, the odds are much stronger that they'll make the play yeah. playoffs. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like that we talked a little bit about how crazy the AFC was last year or last week, and it's it's still just as crazy. Um, thankfully, the Steelers are no longer in the playoff contention. It's always seemed bonkers for me to, to look at that. But um, the NFC, I don't know. It's, it's just the Niners, right? I think it's the Niners, and then the next tier is Cowboys Eagles. Like yeah. I think that's that's everybody past that is you're not really like you can go to the playoffs and it's cute. You're not you're not going anywhere. Like the Forty ers are just too good. Next week we get Ravens Niners. I think the Niners are going to wipe the floor. With that's them. the two best records in the league. That's I, at least interesting. I, I'm I'm skeptical of the Ravens being as good as their record would indicate. Yeah, me too. Are you skeptical of the Browns? That's my sleeper. That's no, I, I literally think their defense is good enough yeah, to win. I agree. I mean, Joe Flacco was thrown 44 times, three straight games, I think. <laughs> Where did this dude come from? Up to some dustbin. <laughs> Joe Flacco's 102 years old. And he's let, getting it done. Did you, let me show you up his contract. Let me pull this up for you guys, if I can actually work a computer. Nope, that's not it. Did I get rid of it? I don't know. So, I... I I hope not. You were all excited about this. I want to see the contract now. There it is. There we go. Joe Flacco. So, very incentive-laden. Um, One-year deal. Yes. Can you read that or no? Yeah, I can. So, I'm going to pull it up over here so I don't have to read it from across the way here. But So... Do we know where this guy was, really, to be honest with you? I mean, was he, he – did he play last year? Did he play at all? Anybody remember? Does no, he, he did not play last year, I don't believe. I think he was a backup in uh, – maybe in the Jets? Well, he played – last play uh, – where I remember him last was with the Jets, for sure. Um, I just didn't know if he played last year. So let me read this from Adam Schefter. Joe Flacco's new one-year deal with the Browns includes $4.05 million of incentives based on winning per source familiar with the deal. So $4 million in incentives available for Mr. Flacco. He'll make 75000 for each of the remaining four regular season games he wins. I mean, I could do that on DraftKings if I get lucky. So that's nothing. Then, should Cleveland advance to the postseason, which I think they will, Flacco would make 250000 for a wildcard win, 500000 for a divisional playoff win, $1 million for an AFC championship win, and $2 million for a Super Bowl win. Awesome. And the deal expires as soon as the season's over. Sure. Incentives. He's clearly uh, shown a ability to live up to uh, the potential of incentives. Like, I mean, he shows that he's, uh, I don't know, he he has decent enough weapons. Like, I don't think they're great. I mean, obviously, if they had Chubb, I would literally think they were, a, like, a real contender. Yeah. Um, but Amari Cooper's a good receiver. I mean, their tight end has been great for the, for the last few weeks. Are you buying in on Joe Flacco as a playoff-winning quarterback in yes. 2024? You are. I am. I, I think the team is just so good, and all he has to do is do what he does. It's not like he runs. It's never been his game. He's not trying to outrun anybody. He's going to stand in the pocket and throw the ball around, and he's quite good at that. So, I mean, Flacco had one of the greatest contracts in the history of NFL contracts, like right after the boat. He was a free agent and then bet on himself, and they won the Super Bowl, so he got like, and then he sucked. I mean, sucked compared to what he did sure. during the, the run-up to his contract. So, like, none of this probably really matters, the incentive stuff. I mean, Joe Flacco has enough money. But I think it's funny that literally a guy off the street 
could end up making five million dollars just by winning like six games down the stretch and you know whatever. But, but this, uh, it's a good investment by the Browns. Like if you oh, end, if you end up winning the Super Bowl, this guy's worth every penny. Oh, he saved their season. I mean, they were toast. Who, who's the DTR? I can't remember. I don't even know how to throw name. He's terrible though. So, I don't, what about Mister Redhead? I, I know you said you're not really an NFL fan. Anything that we've talked about here at the NFL, like do do you even follow? I mean, do you, I, <laughs> no. so, do you, no, do you have the games all. on at the brewery on Sunday? <laughs> They're on. Uh, I couldn't tell you anything about. Oh, them. good. Um, I'm I'm betting on Cleveland because I think it would be great to just watch that city burn to the ground. <laughs> like those people will go insane yes. if, if the Browns win. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's the Browns. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe they'll light the lake on fire. Again. Right. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I'm betting on them for I'm, sure. Yeah. No, that'd be good. I, like I said, I that's the. I mean, I'm a Steelers fan, so I'm not really supposed to root for the Browns, I guess. But, like, sure. I don't have those kind of a heartstrings anymore, I guess, to any pro team or any team, really. So, um, I think I'm rooting for the Browns. I mean, if the Bills don't Mr. make Red it, Red. I'm definitely cheering for the Browns. It's, it's like, my second favorite team. I'm trying to think if there was even another person who I could just root for, like, another pl- Like, somebody who I would never have expected to win. Like, so that's just what I want. I like chaos, so even if it's in sports, and here we are. So I love the chaos of Joe Flacco winning the Super Bowl. All right. So what I want to do, what I wanted to do at the beginning, and we just went into the NFL anyway, let's talk to Mr. Redhead. Let's figure out how he is going to slash the Federal Reserve as supervisor of Town of Ava. Is that in your list of agenda items? It's- Second on my agenda okay. for sure. Like it's, um, it's, it's up there, and I think I have a I have a good chance of making. it. So I I joke a little bit, uh, you know, the Javier Malay of New York, but do, do he consider himself an anarcho uh, capitalist. Do you consider yourself an anarcho capitalist? Do you believe it's, in libertarian terms or any of that? Like I, I know we've never yeah, talked about this, and I don't have any kind of like preconceived notions or whatever. But like I'm wondering how you describe yourself in libertarian circles to libertarians. I would say like so anarcho capitalism is like. North star. Okay. You know, it's, it, that would be awesome if we could get there. Pure anarchy would be great if it was, you know, utopia libertarian country. Um, so it's my North star. It's kind of like my, what guides my decisions, but I also live in reality. Um, so as town of supervisors, not a whole lot of (laughs) application of anarcho capitalism. Um, well, so what made you think that your, political philosophy would translate to a successful town supervisor and why your town specifically? I mean, there must've been a, was there a, an accumulation of things you're like, okay, I could do this better or I could change this, or I could at least represent differently in some way. Like what led you to the decision to run? And then, you know, what do you kind of, what did you run on and what do you plan on doing uh, in 2024 and beyond? Yeah. So most of my life uh, has been outside of the political realm I taught middle school history for nine, 10 years, opened a business eight years ago. That's been my life. Uh, I got turned on to libertarianism by Ron Paul, uh, being anti-war. Bravo. That was, that was my one introduction to libertarianism is like, these guys are anti-war. Perfect. That I found my home. Yeah. Um, but always was kind of apathetic of there's nothing I can do to get involved, to change anything, to do anything. Um, and then being a business owner in 2020 with the lockdowns in New York state completely destroying my business, all my friends' businesses, everybody's life in New York state, children's education, all of it. Like it's the list goes on kind of kicked me in the butt to, to try and get involved and do something. Um, 2021 came along was still kind of chugging along, just trying to keep 
the business afloat, keep food on our table, you know. Uh, and the governor put down, put it down to the counties to enforce the new mandates. Yeah. And in Oneida County, and I know Onondaga County did, did the as, same they thing. bought into they it as well. They were almost lockstep, yeah. Um, and I was like, can I swear on the show? Yeah. I said, fuck this. Like, this is, this is enough. So I made public statement, like, we're not going to enforce these mandates in our, in our, at my business. And I was then fined. And from that point, I... So were you fined by the SLA or were you fined by the, by the state? By the health or, department, okay. for the county health department. And so did they, they fine you in what? In some violation of some ordinance that they whatever like what what was the fine they, specifically they, they did an they did an inspection uh, okay. a few days after I made my post I was on the radio in Utica um, so they sent in an investigator um, and they dinged me for twenty seven violations literally of people standing up and walking <laughs> it wasn't that people were sitting at the chair at the tables or bars it was twenty seven times they counted people standing up and walking. That's- I mean, literally awesome, but go ahead. I'm like sorry. it's it's, <laughs> it's so, so stupid. stupid. It's, awesome. yeah, it's no. ridiculous that that's you could get a fine for that. So yeah. it was a thousand dollars per every time someone walked up without a mask on because we didn't ask them if they were vaccinated. Yeah. Like, so having been through that, kind of pushed me into getting more involved. So I got on school board and where I live, um, started going to town board meetings. Got on the planning board there, which was by appointment. Um, and then it was about this time last year. The current supervisor and his wife, who's the tax collector, were both. The wife is the tax collector? She is. Okay. We're both done, wanted to retire. He had been supervisor for 15, 16 years. So I had a couple of town board members, a Republican, Democrat, kind of approach me. I'm like, Keith, you should run for that. I'm like, mm, okay. If, if you guys will support me and back me yeah. on this, by all means, I'll do it. I've done a lot of work on the planning board to update our land use laws and things like that. So I had shown sure. I, I, yeah. I'm capable of, yeah. of doing some work here. Um, and having town board support, planning board support, zoning board, people were behind me. The highway department was behind me. Like the, the hang up for them, for a lot of people was like, what is a libertarian? Yeah. They're like, a lot of people are asking us and telling us that it means liberal. I'm like, well, I've heard that a lot, but go ahead. Yeah. Like, yeah, but not by today's, today's definition, definition right. of liberal right. by any means. Um, but caught on, talked to people, and it, it, we, I won. So yeah. Well, congratulations. I know I've given that before, but congratulations again. And so you, you had an opponent. Yeah. Now, he he was a, he's a Republican. Yeah. Um, he had been supervisor before 15, 20 years ago. Okay. Um, young man, I take it then. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, and I, I think that was one of the things that also helped me is sure. That's great. I've got no, some youth. Yeah. Two of the new town board members that ran are also my age. So we've got people nice. coming into the town wanting to get involved. And I think a lot of times in small towns, you have these people that have been on the town board, been supervised for 15, 20 years, and they're just sitting there waiting, like, who's going to take over this? I can't do this forever. Um, so seeing young people show up and want to get involved, I think, was a, a big positive for the town. Yeah, that's awesome. And so at the risk of... Uh, instilling rage, I wanted to go back to COVID for a little bit. So similarly, we had, we have an event space, you know, we played along as much as we could to try to stay out of trouble. But like when anybody was in the building, like I didn't care about your mask. I didn't care about your vaccine status. You know, people, it was an interesting time. And maybe you, I'm sure you probably experienced, I mean, did you have people with masks come into your place while you had people without masks? Yeah. And so we, we, maybe I'm going to ask and if you had this shared experience. So 
I felt like most of the people who came in were evaluating the crowd first to see if they should maintain the mask, right? They're like, come in, they have it on, and they're like, okay, I don't see anybody without a mask. I, I know, know I'm see some people without to do this. Sure. So you can else. almost see the stuff going in their head, being like, all right, do I, I don't. And I, I wonder if it was most people, which I, I think this is where I, I, I stand is most people were just complying because that they people don't want right. to deal with conflict and confrontation and rather just go with the go. Um, the ones who, you know, in my view, incorrectly believe that the masks were playing a beneficial role in the whole thing. Like they never took it off. They, whatever they, they bought in, they were, you know, fu- mm-hmm. fully in, but it was the large majority of the people who just did it. And I don't think th- if they thought it helped, they took it off. Right. So like I'm trying, it was all a, a mind game, if you will. It was, just uh, what I kind of laid out was the lack of the wanting to push back on anything, which was a little bit disheartening um, to me in real time when that was happening. I felt like, you know, in, in my neck of the woods, there was very few people pushing back on any of this. Right. Um, and p- political elected, poli- you know, officials or just regular people, uh, there were definitely, I because of my, you know, my social media positions on COVID, I was getting a lot of business owners, similar situations where you're like, you know, I can't operate like this. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying something about this. Not that I, you know, nothing changed because of anything that I said. So in my mind, I feel like, you know, I didn't really do anything other than just, you know, be a loudmouth bartender on what, social media. But you said what people weren't willing to say. I, I yes. Or what they felt they weren't able to say. Even. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad that I was in a position where, Um, I was able to say that now when this actually unfolded, uh, I was working at a local country club here with, you know, that the county executive was a member at just Mm -hmm. for, you know, so like we, I knew all these people, not all of them, but the ones I knew, I knew intimately. Like I've had personal conversation with them. Like we all knew each other. Um, I was there for five years. Again, I had a lot of conversations with people who were there, but they, I felt like I had an opportunity to kind of get the message that I was trying to get out to directly to the people. And they just all circled the wagons and closed me out. And then I was a theorist. Right. So, um, so I don't have any like ill will towards them. I mean, I think they're all cowards and like, you know, all the people that were friends with me, like they're all, they're all shit bags now. Right. So I don't have any kind of respect for them at all. Um, so I have no problem still calling them out to this day for their ineptitude during COVID, which was, you know, Again, my, but, we had a. We, I mean, I, I, but I, I think people give get get the people let them get off get off the hook for sure for what they did three or four day. years ago. But they don't understand that everything they did then has had a huge impact now on our entire state, our counties, our schools, and they shouldn't be able to get off the hook for that. Yeah. No. And you know, our county executive, who was you know he's technically run twice now since COVID. Um, there's been no primary, no even attempt to try to be like, Hey, you screwed up, you know, tell us at least give us some acknowledgement that you did something wrong and that you're not going to do it again. Right. Cause like right now I just feel like when the next ring rolls around, they're just going to do it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, so pre, I mean, I guess this was technically pandemic quote unquote pandemic, but in when was the George Floyd protest? May. Yeah. May, June, 2020. So our county executive, we had a couple broken windows downtown, put a curfew on the whole county, right? 8 p.m. curfew. So we have a 
big brewery out. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Heritage Hill mm-hmm. Brewery. So they have a great sunset. I mean, you can if you've been there, you can imagine you know how, how how awesome it is. So they were forced to close their sunset viewing that night because there was a couple broken windows downtown. Now Pompey, which is where this brewery is, is like it's the middle of nowhere. It's, in, it's right. nowhere's near there. <laughs> They, the county executive circled the mall with sheriff cars. Circled them. I have picture. I drove by. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. They were side by side all the way around Carousel Mall, Destiny, whatever they call it. So in my mind, red flags were going off like crazy. And this was somebody who I had known, the county executive, and who had, I mean, you know, their family called me Ron Swanson at their family dinners, right? Awesome. So like they knew who I was. There was no like whatever. And then this happened. And I was, I felt calmly communicating. like, listen. You know, this is, you can't, this is, how are you closing down the whole county over some broken windows downtown? This seems like, and so I was, I'm like, all right, well. A little bit of an overstep. I'm like, at 801, I'm going to be in front of City Hall, and you can come arrest me. Like, that's what I basically told them in an email, personal email. And so, like, please don't do this or whatever. And then people, I posted on social media, and people like, I'm coming with you. I'm like, okay. So then, the county executive was like, I'll end the, I'll give me 13 hours, is what he told me. He's like, give me 13 hours, I'll end it in the morning. And I'm like, okay. And I told everybody to hold off. We're going to wait until the morning. And he canceled it, right? So, not that I, I fully believe that I had anything to do with that, but it was at least there was communication. Right. I could point to something that he said he was going to do. He did it. I'm like, okay, whatever. But there was red flags going off all from that, from the circling, like the whole way he handled that. I was thinking, okay, this dude loves to have the power. Um, I mean, he declared emergency, circled the mall, you know, all, all the things, and so he. Instituted a mask mandate, maintained all the county uh, employees get the the vax. I mean, so he, after that, my suspicions were confirmed because he implemented a bunch of tyrannical, which I deem tyrannical, Mm -hmm. uh, policies on the county. And he tried to enforce a mask mandate at the fair, right? So, and let's think of the background of this. I I joked with him at the time. I, I joked with him. He probably wasn't really happy about it. But the state fair is patrolled by the New York State Police on mass, there's thousands of them there. Was this They're, in 2020? Did they have the 2021? Fair in 2020? No, okay. they canceled okay. in 2020, so they instituted in 2021. So a year later, a year, year and a half after all this, we're going to do a mask in the buildings only, right? So like you're going to walk around the fair, and then when you go in the building, you got to wear a mask. So I'm like, who's enforcing this? Like the sheriffs aren't coming in to enforce a mask mandate when they're surrounded by state troopers. Not no chance that's happening. Thankfully, most people realized that this was a farce. But my point is, is he literally still tried to enforce a mask mandate a year and a half after whatever. And, you know, he was very supportive of uh, our SUNY Upstate and their testing regime. And as soon as I questioned that, I stopped, he ghosted me, basically stopped talking to me. So um, I don't have any regrets other than I wish there was a way, and I don't know what the way would have been, but there, and this is where I was going to go with you, is there was no way for me to communicate what we all seemed to see in real time, or at least some of us saw in real time, to the people. They could not see it, and they still don't see it, or if they refuse to see it. But, like, I don't know. It's I don't know how to go back and what I would have done different to actually stop what actually happened. Like, I feel like I was way ahead of it. Right. I had the right people in my scope. They were communicating with me, and I still couldn't do anything. So Well, it all, it all, it all happened so fast. And there was almost no way to actually push back against it. Like by the time everything was implemented uh, and beaten to people's heads, you're already in summer of 2020. People have dealt with three months of mask or killing your grandma. Like, 
we That's interviewed. How do you overcome that? We had the county executive on our show in June of 2020, right? July of 2020. It was the summer of 2020. Yeah. It was seemingly like, okay, we made it through the, the bump, you know, whatever the curve. We flattened the curve. And now we're summer. Seems to be calming down. It seemed as though at that time he was willing to kind of be like, okay, we we got through this. We're good to go forward. But then when the fall rolled around and whatever the cases numbers yeah, just, came out, he just completely went away from that and was like, lock it down. And again, that that's where I was like, I felt like, and Ben included here, and then I'm going to let Ben ask some questions of Mr. Redhead here, but I thought we were, we uniquely, I think, had access to the people that needed to hear the information and they still didn't want to hear it, I guess is where I was at. And like, I don't know, maybe there was nothing else I could do. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not a skillful, uh, you know, emailer guy. I don't have some kind of like, you know, persuasive skills that are whatever, but the information was there. I felt like, I mean, you know, I was bringing on, molecular like wor- you know world renowned molecular mm-hmm. biologists being like hey look at this like and tagging the county executive and the, the communications guy was talking to me a little bit here and there but like then we just became c- conspiracy theorists and they didn't want to hear about it anymore so i don't know mr Hughesong, what do you have uh you can talk you can jump in on anything the covid stuff we talked about here but uh anything where you'd like to take the conversation with uh mr redhead i'll give you credit it, uh, when they came through with all those rules uh, did you end up having to pay those fines by the way no. Okay, good. good. Yeah, my wife and I opened an ice cream shop in March of 21. So right in the middle of all this, and they had, you know, the mask rules were in effect. And then they came out and they said, all right, vaccinated people don't need to wear masks anymore, unvaccinated. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I actually called the Onondaga County Department of Health. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I, honest to God, what am, am I supposed to? If I have a kid that works for me, tells me he's vaccinated, not wearing a mask, and it turns out he's not, am I liable? And she goes... Well, it's not, it's not a rule anymore. It's just a recommendation. We just want you to do that. I was like, you're telling me this is in no shape, way, or form an enforceable rule, but you want me to enforce it? She's like, yes. I said, thank you very much. Pulled all the staff in. I sent everybody, I think, an email that just said, hey, guys, wear it if you want. Don't wear it if you don't want to. If anybody asks you if you are or are not vaccinated, you are not allowed to answer while you're on the clock. Well, you're working for me. You are not allowed to answer that question. And if somebody has a problem with it, have them call me directly, and I will explain to them why it is inappropriate for them to be asking personal medical questions of a 16-year-old kid buying an ice cream cone. We're done. So we got a little bit of pushback on that. Um, we just put I put a sign up in the door that was mm-hmm. like, masks are optional. I don't care about your vaccination status. If you're uncomfortable, use the drive-thru. But I'm not doing this with you. I can't do this anymore. And yes, that was, yes, he has a drive-thru ice cream place. Yeah. Awesome. So that was just, it was so mind-blowing as a business owner. Like, when I when that woman so told me. So I don't me, have to enforce this, but you're telling me. You just want me to. Right. Like, we'll hope that you'll do it, but it's not a rule. But I think that, that, that the problem there is we raise our kids in school, kindergarten to 12th grade, that you have to listen to all these rules, do all these things, and don't question why. And then they go out into the real world, and some bureaucrat, now is telling you, you have to do this. And everyone follows lockstep because they've been taught their whole lives. Like, well, this person's a figure of authority. I need to do what they're telling me to do. Even though there's no legal backing, there's no law. There's, it's completely unconstitutional. Like none of these things seem to matter because that's an authority figure. And I have to listen. That was why, I mean, I'm sure you got pushback too. Like I had friendships that were more or less ended over this because I lost regulars, regular customers that haven't come back. That's, that's wild to me. Like, and ultimately, it's it's I, I was right. Like yeah. this is where I'm not I'm, I'm not understanding. I don't need anybody's apologies or anything else. Just 
if you're still doing this now three years later, I it didn't have to go this way. It just it never had to go this way. So I'm hoping that most of this is behind us. The idea that we've got a libertarian elected at like somewhere in the state is white pill. They were getting somewhere. Like I, I'm I'm not a libertarian. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm basically politically homeless at this point, but uh, I guess my question for you is, what do you want to accomplish in the next couple of years? I, uh, more than anything, want to learn more about the, the political process and being involved involved in local government. Um, I have this idea, and I know a lot of libertarians follow suit with uh, the idea that we need to be the elites in our society. Um, and I think that starts locally. I ran for town supervisor. I have a business locally. My wife ran for tax collector, which is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I firmly believe we need to be the elites in our society. The the elites we have are terrible people. Sure. So if these positions do exist and must exist, we should probably get into them. Um, so so I'd, I'd like to learn as much as I can and see where this can take me. I'm, I'm sure you get pushback on, you know, I'm sure you're been called a status now a couple uh, times since you've won. I don't know. Okay. Uh, no, but not yet. I'm but kidding. This but, is the first time. Thanks a um, lot. But there's, there is a streak of libertarianisms who don't think voting and elections or anything are a tangible way to any kind of freedom or liberty, right? So um, I have always been, uh, and this is uh, why I participated in as the uh, uh, Iron County Libertarian Party chair for so long was... I always felt that tyranny needed to be fighted on all sides, including the inside, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I need you need people on the inside, as I used to say, like, I, I, I'm just there to throw sticks and spokes, right? Like, just stop shit from happening as quickly as I can, and if I need to throw a stick and a spoke and watch somebody go flipping over the handlebars, I don't care. Sure. So, I do, th- I agree with you that there needs to be the elites or whatever, the, these, there needs to be a, uh, a philosophy, I think, within the Libertarian Party that does look to find elections as a, uh, a source for change, right? Because, I mean, yeah, we all want liberty and freedom, but if we could just undo a bunch of stuff, we're Even going a to... a little bit of it. Right, just yeah. some stuff. I think, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen in freaking Argentina, you know, he cuts all the shit and, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, they're in, a, they're in a shitty spot. That's why he got elected, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were their inflation rate and all that stuff is crazy down there. So uh, they're not in a good spot. So they lashed out, you know, Maybe in some ways, like USA did with Trump uh, a few years ago, you know, they they see stuff is not right. They don't really know what the right answer to fix it is, and so they see this outsider who, you know, sells a idea. I'm going to cut the government to the bone, and we're going to you know free whatever, and people embrace that, right? I think that that's a it's a popular. It should be a popular sentiment among everyday people. I don't know that it is. I think most people just like to be, or at least there's enough people out there that need to be ruled. I think they're one little event away from that. I mean, we aren't at the point where Argentina was right, by any means, but it doesn't take much to get there, uh, especially the the way that we're $34 trillion in debt. Yeah. Like, no one has a pot to piss in. We're not far from that. Yeah, and I do think that, and I, you know, I, I said this right before we went on the air, it's like, I've never been as close to voting for Donald Trump as I am right now. Right now, if the, if the vote was tomorrow, I'd be voting for Donald Trump. Now, I'm not an enrolled Republican. I can't vote in the primary. Um, this is a general election thought. And if it's, you know, I don't know who the Democrat's going to be. I don't think it's going to be Joe Biden. Um, but if it's, you know, Trump, RFK, and the Democrat, I'm voting for Trump. I mean, I, and it's not because I like Trump. I've never voted for him before. I'm to the, I feel like I'm probably 
close to the feelings of the Argentinians. I'm like, okay, I think this whole thing is broken. Mm-hmm. There's no way to fix it. I can't do anything. I'm going to, the bull in the China shop, I want. Right, maybe right? just throw that match. Yeah, just throw the match, right? So um, if my vote is the match, then I'm going to I'm gonna go for it. Like I said, the, all the people who I despise, the elite people that we you just talked about, like all of them hate Trump, right? So I try not to be the enemy of my enemy is my ally or whatever, but the fact that the institutions that I have, you know, literal disdain for have circled themselves and positioned themselves to just thwart this dude from becoming president again, I want him to be president just because of that reason. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's like over, it's a year away. Like it's this so far. This next year is going to be insane. Mind, I cannot wait. Bonkers, yeah. I cannot wait. Well, we'll have you back. We'll, we'll touch you. We'll touch it's base. It's going to be a stuff. circus. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, and there, there was a, I, there was a quick, you know, until the, uh, the, the, the Gaza, Gaza Israeli thing kind of thing. Like I was, a uh, all right, maybe I'll just vote for RFK, you know, right. I and mean, he's anti-war he said it was, but then he kind of just flipped the switch. I right. was like, eh, I'm not really anti-war. I'm just anti this war. So I'm like, eh, kind of lost, lost me there. So I'm looking for something. Um, I voted for the libertarian candidate the last whatever years. I don't expect to be doing that this year, to be honest with you. I not, I mean, I've met many of the candidates. I know them. I, this is not a, some kind of knock on them. I, we're I, in New York. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not even sure. I wouldn't say I'm enthusiastic about our options. Yeah, there. right. I mean, they're by you know, any means. They're this is probably unfair of me. I say they're glorified activists. Um, they just don't have the ability to kind of turn heads and be like, "Hey, who's this guy over here?" Like, you know, maybe if they were running around with a chainsaw, you know, slashing stuff, right. right? You know, maybe that would be the thing. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have much. I wish that a libertarian candidate would get traction and take off. I just don't see it happening. Uh, so at this point I'm, I'm voting for Trump, unfortunately, but, um, again, we're also 10 months away from that, having to make that decision, I guess, but yeah, and so much can happen. Yeah. It's a lifetime away. So, but if he ends up in jail, I'm definitely voting for him. So like, that's, I mean, it's almost like the more they push this dude into a corner, the more likely I am to vote for him. I think there's, I mean, this is where I feel like DeSantis got it wrong. He should have just waited. Like, the Trump people were never going to flip from Trump to DeSantis. No. The, the, the people who were on the fringe who voted for Trump were like, all right, I'm just going to do whatever. This guy's just the better of, I'm not, he's not a Democrat. Okay, maybe they like DeSantis, but the Trump supporters, the reason why he won, they were never voting for another candidate ever zero no. Like, I, it seems mind-boggling that they didn't know that. Maybe he did know that, and he was forced to do it anyway because, you know, they don't want him to be the, the, the nominee. So, I don't know. You know, whatever you want to say about polls, the polls look like Trump's going to be the nominee and the recent polls look like he's going to be the president, uh, especially if he's running against Joe Biden. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Newsom or whoever, somebody else is going to end up being the, the, the Democrat nominee. But um, I I would find it difficult to, I would have to, it would have to be a, something we don't know would has to keep Trump from winning. Like, I think he's going to win. And so only the way he wouldn't win is if something we don't know about yet unfolds Maybe and comes into the yeah, JFK or something. Absolutely. I mean, enough people have hinted that. I mean, listen, I've always thought that he was going to end up on the Epstein thing and right. he was just going to get, you know, disqualified in my mind from that. Well, it just hasn't happened yet. That, that hasn't disqualified anybody. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, disqualified disqualified him to me. Like, oh, okay. I, 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 I was sure no that Trump was eventually going to get taken. Do, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. I was sure the Trump was going to get taken down with the Epstein thing. I was like, hey, mm. there's no way. New York City in the 80s, that dude was, you know, sticking whatever you could into anything he could. So, um, and I'm sure he was helping 
Epstein was helping him out. So that being said, it's all been smoke so far, right? Like, I mean, the same thing with RFK. Like, I don't, I don't put any credence too much into the uh, RFK couple trips. Now, that being said, RFK wasn't a great person back then either, right? I mean, he was kind of a womanizer and says he was a sex addict and, you know, was... Yeah, who knows? Who, I don't know. There's no way for me to know. The only thing I can say is at least the RFK flights were pre-conviction. So, like, at least he didn't have... He, he, he couldn't, shouldn't have known kind of thing. Um, he should have known who that person was. But my understanding is like, there was always rumors around Epstein that yeah, that's so kind of what he was doing. Maybe I mentioned this on the show last week. So I've always been suspect of RFK because I think all of Massachusetts is corrupted. I mean, Harvard, MIT, those are all Epstein like playgrounds. Mm-hmm. Moderna is an NGO. I call them an NGO. They were born out of Massachusetts and I, I mean, I, listen, I, I, I think I've seen still alive, like 51%-ish. Um, you know. <laughs> I know. I, so. I, there's so much. That story intertwines with so many stories that nobody even. Is, I mean, that he goes all the way back to, like, Iran-Contra, right? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. He's like, I tell him, he's like the evil Forrest Gump, right? Like, everything he goes into is a national story. Everybody, we know all the stories that he, but he's, they're all connected. He's, yeah. And he's not mentioned almost at ever, but he's engrossed in all of the relationships that happen. And it's between well, the bankers it's and the, probably the perk of being a Mossad agent. You get to yeah, anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mind boggling. So the whole for our whole foreign policy, I think is just Epstein, right? So like, I just don't, I think that he has compromised enough people that, um, or has information on enough people that they will not like judges and whatnot all the way up the chain. They've, he's insulated himself from whatever he, he knew. He knew how to get the system. And as you point out, he's been intelligent. So he has the backing of the intelligence don't work for us. They don't work for the president. They don't work for any of these countries anymore. They are rogue institutions that basically do what they want to do. And, you know, the fact that Epstein was part of that crew, it's just so easy to go back and point all the things. And in hindsight, it's, it's kind of evil. Um, Just never forget that Ghislaine Maxwell is the first person to ever be actually found guilty of selling sex slaves to nobody. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sold them. Sold them off. Yeah. Well, who was the buyer? We don't know. Hmm. Isn't that weird? All right. Apparently, let's, there was no, there was just no buyers. They were just anonymous people. Yeah, let's touch on uh, a little bit of New York stuff here real quick. We talked about your boy Mark Polencar's. Erie County Executive. My boy. Your boy. You lived in Buffalo. I did live in Buffalo for about 12 years. I mean, I lived there for one year. All right. I guess he's my boy. That's how it's your works. boy. So, did you read this tweet? He put this out. Uh, where did he put this out? He put it out on Twitter, basically. I don't know if you remember last year, they had the, uh, uh, what is it, the, the winter storm that had a bunch of people got uh, trapped and died on the road, right? Yep. Um, it's happened like three or four times over the past three. And decades. so I'm guessing this is in response to that. You know, this is a uh, helping us make us safer or whatnot. So this was from when was this tweet? December 13th. Important news tomorrow, 12:14 at 3 p.m. The Erie County Emergency Services Unit and I will announce who are deemed essential employees authorized to drive during a winter storm travel ban. Sweet. So. I love, did, I love the legacy of 
essential employees. Like, yeah. Right. That's just going to stick around forever now. Yep. Yeah. That and coupled with the, uh, you know, the declaration of an emergency, which has always been around, but now they, they use it for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. They're going to start being able to, you know, separate us into some kind of uh, class system here by, and deemed essential. Um, and we saw how wonderfully accurate they deemed people essential during COVID. You know, as long as you, uh, you know, delivered food, you were fine or worked at Amazon or Walmart. But if you owned a brewery or a pe- or ice cream shop, you were shit or on. So. If you were uh, a state or county or local uh, bureaucrat, you still kept getting paychecks. Yes, too. exactly right. Listen, right. You speak for yourself. I deemed myself essential. All right? like <laughs> I, I just decided I was essential during all of it and did what I wanted. But this, this kind of, you know, this caught a little bit of national attention because um, he responded to it basically saying, oh, all these people don't call 911 if you don't want the government, whatever. So, like, he had actually, on top of that, get big, big, like, okay, you can call 911. Like, you know, people were giving him a shit because whatever. But just double downing, doubling down on the idea that we're ruled by a bunch of tyrants and these people think that they know better than we do and that they're, uh, you know, in a, in a, uh, they, I'm sure, Mark Polenkars will deem himself essential, um, and we will not be deemed essential. I feel like that's fair. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I, well, listen, even when when uh, Ryan McMahon did the curfew for the for the protests, I was driving to Rochester to pick up my son, and my wife calls me. She's like, "You can't go. It's a curfew. Like you're going to be out past eight o'clock, and you could be arrested." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going. I don't care." Like. If I'm going to make somebody arrest me for driving from Buffalo or from Rochester to Camillus and I'm out past 8 p.m., I'm going to make somebody arrest me for that because there's no way I am just blindly complying. They do not have that level of authority. So I deemed myself author- I deemed myself essential that day because I'm a financial advisor. So. <laughs> Very essential. All right. Let's switch to uh, End of the World. Yeah, why not? It seems I'm like in. a smooth Let's transition from where we're at. Mark Zuckerberg is reportedly building a $100 million survivalist estate in Hawaii. What does he know that we don't? Is it in Maui? Uh, I didn't see. Let me see. Mm, Kauai, which is a uh, little island off of uh, Maui, I believe. Uh, we didn't get. I actually went to, um, what was it, 2017? Went to Maui? Like Maui, the, the, Every place where I was at is... Literally not there anymore. Mm, like the place it. I stayed, the uh, the restaurants, all everything's compl- just burned to the ground, which is crazy. And that was awesome. That was a really, real awesome place. I'd never been there before. But um, so this is a this uh, doomsday bunker here. Uh, we did a little bit segment on this back. I don't know, maybe last year ago, where we talked about Jeff Bezos, how he has uh, his uh, rocket ship little outfit there, right next yeah. to his hollowed out mountain, where he says he's building a clock or some shit. Um, so he's got his own thing. We got, was it George Clooney has one in New Zealand, I think? Oh, or, really? Uh, who's the other guy? The Peter Thiel. He tried to build one in like New Zealand or Australia or something down there. So all these rich people, I mean, even the Kardashians. I mean, I saw an article where she was building a bunker. So I don't know. We have all these people who, I'm assuming that some of them just think like, oh, the peasants are going to uprise and, you know, let them eat cake kind of stuff. And this is where they're going to go hang out, whatever. But so I think... And I know I'm going to unload on Mr. Redhead here, um, but I think the sun's going to send out a uh, micronova here in the last in the next ten years, okay. which is going to send us back to the Stone Age. So I think this, if they have any idea of that actually occurring, then 
they're protecting themselves against basically the sun. Um, I'm not sure that Hawaii is the right place to be because for a bunch of other reasons I'll, I'm not going to get into now. It's too long. But we don't have bunkers. None of us. You don't have a bunker yet, do you? Not yet. I mean, I did look up if bunkers. If I had Clooney money, I definitely would. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> but I got ice cream money. I can't <laughs> afford a bunker. <laughs> right. I have. I mean. I've been looking for acres for like two years now and trying to find the, you know, a spot to get out of here and kind of uh, uh, set up shop. And some of them have hills. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this would be good for a bunker. So, like, I don't know how to go about They have crews that do that, though. Like, you know, there's, like, construction companies out there, like, just build bunkers for all us preppers. I mean. Not us. I don't prep for shit, actually. You're way more prepping than me. I'm, the chickens. I'm a little ahead of you in that regard. Yeah, yes. you got chickens, at least. All I got is a barking dog. Um yeah, but you, I don't could, know. you could eat it if you needed to. Sure. If it sure. came down to it. It's very lean, so that'd be good good protein, I guess. The fat one would probably last longer, but um I don't know. So it's you know, I I just these rich people can do, you know, they have endless money and whatever, but like it seems funny that more and more of these uh rich people seem to be building bunkers. I don't know. Seems a little crazy to me. But noted, Mr. Zuckerberg, that uh He's on the list, so. All right, we talked a little bit about this already, but I want to play this clip. I told you I wanted to play this clip from uh, Vivek. Um, so we can take this wherever we want to take this on top of this. Anything election 2024, presidential race, we talked a little bit about Trump and RFK and whoever's going to run for the Democrats already. But this Republican primary is still uh, occurring for some reason. Um, I will say, in hindsight, you know, I would have thought the Republican primary was basically a waste of time, but Vivek has kind of made it at least interesting to listen to. I don't, we haven't talked about Vivek, so I'm interested to get kind of where you're at with him because I feel like he says a lot of the right things. I mean, his, his track record as a whatever, you know, is very new to the political scene before his political scene. You wouldn't have pegged him. I don't think as, the type of guy whose words are coming out of his mouth right now. He's a great speaker. Don't get me wrong. I mean, not, not, not his ability to speak is unbelievable, but the fact, the words that are, you know, the meanings, the, the stuff that he's actually talking about, I think is really important. He talks about in this clip, he's going to talk about January 6th. Um, but he talks about a bunch of things that basically are a bunch of third rails. He seems to embrace that, right? He's like, I don't mind talking about controversial things, which is kind of refreshing as opposed to hearing the same canned responses that every other politician has out there. I mean, I'm assuming he practices his speeches. I don't really know that, but I mean, he's awesome at it. So I'm, everybody should at least kind of hone their skills. I'm assuming he does the same thing, but the words that he's using are very Ron Paul-esque. I feel like in a lot of times, um, I don't know. Did you have any initial shots on Vivek when so, you, like, how, what, what? I, so I've had a tinfoil hat on for so many years. Yeah. That oh, me too. I, like get red flags immediately when someone says all the right things. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, can't trust this guy. <laughs> like, so <laughs> I approach it very cautiously because it would be, it'd be too on the nose to just have everything said. Right. Yeah. So right. And he, I've seen some people push back against him, you know, his days as a farm bro, whatever. And, uh, you know, he was pretty, he was on like the Ohio COVID response team. So he was not on the right side early on anyway. Maybe those were learned experiences and he kind of saw the inside and was like, oh, this is way kind of not what I thought it was. And he's still really young. I mean, he's only like, like, I don't even think he's 40. Yeah, right? I don't think he's 40 either. So um, I don't think he's necessarily a vice presidential candidate. I know that that's been floated and, you know, it seems as though he 
you know, he says all the right things for Trump supporters so that they kind of keep their, their hands off here. But, um, I don't know, wh- wh- where were you on Vivek? I know we talked about him a couple times here, but like, is he your guy? No. Are you a Republican? Are you still enrolled in the Republican party? I think so. So you can vote in the primary. Yes. Yeah, so. I am. Cause I like, I have people that need signatures for stuff. Gotcha. So I just don't, gotcha. I don't bother changing it so I can help out. Yeah. Uh, my take on Vivek is I, I have no trust in him whatsoever. I think he's an absolute gem of a politician. But he's not and really I'm a politician. I'm so right? grateful that he, is, that he is doing what he is doing. Like, I, I genuinely, I love what he comes out and calls Nikki Haley Dick Cheney in three-inch heels. <laughs> yes. It's the best comment ever. <laughs> like, when he told Chris Christie to, to get off the stage and go have a meal because he wasn't fit to be the, the candidate. Like, I love that he just takes shots at these people and just... I I am sort of on your camp in this of I just want these people pointed out for the absolute absurdity that they are. Yeah, like the he I, does that. And yeah. he is great for that. He is great at pointing out of like, you're over here saying that we need to go and fight and give more money to Ukraine. You can't name three provinces that we need to go and fight, and you're some expert. And like, oh, right, good, thank you. Now, do I think he'd be a good president? No, I think that he'll say whatever he needs to say. I don't think he actually believes half of what he says, but... Anything that brings these things into the mainstream consciousness, I'm on board for. I, I'm on board for the, you You got to point out how insane it is to keep funding the war in Ukraine, because it's insane. All we're doing is getting more of them killed. You have to have people that are pointing out, hey, there was a really uncomfortable number of federal agents involved with January 6th. That's mm-hmm. super odd. And if you say that now, like, oh, so you're a, uh, what did I get called recently? Because I pointed out, like, so January 6th was, was clearly, like, not what it was built on, but like, oh. You just you, so you're some of us stand for the peaceful transfer of power and you're supporting a dictator like nope no, I'm just pointing out the idea like stock market never went down everybody was live streaming the entire thing and then we watched videos of guys getting invited into the building and then they got arrested after their nice tour yeah right after they followed the line it was the worst worst insurrection ever worst insurrection <laughs> Canada could have done better than that it was piss poor and it's and especially this part of the country I'm gonna stereotype the people that are not just Trump supporters, but are the ardent enough Trump supporters that they went to the Capitol to help stop the steal, like that's a commitment. You know those guys have guns. Like this is not some protest where you're worried about, hey, what's going to happen? This is the most well-armed segment of our population, and they tried to overthrow the government without bringing a single gun. Right. They brought a guillotine, but they didn't bring a single gun, and I'm supposed to really I believe mean, they were trying to overthrow the government. Then one dead guy brought his taser. It <laughs> didn't work out for him. He died. He tased himself in the balls. And it's okay to say, like, hey, we've been lied to, left, right, and center, about what happened that day. Like, oh, this police officer died on the day off. He was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. No, he wasn't. He died the next day of a stroke that had nothing to do with this. Same thing. Right. It's so close. And just by asking the questions of, like, hey, how many federal agents were in the crowd? Can't answer. So is it zero? So it's not zero. (laughs) All right. Basically too many to account for. Yeah, and how many informants and all that. And my, uh, listen, I, I play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I don't go to protests. I don't go to anything like that. Remember I tried to get you to go to that? You, I do. I recall. We should, we should do live stream it. Yeah, no, I was like, You're I'm like, I'm busy. Near that. <laughs> Zero percent chance. 
And I'm so glad. That I think we could say I was right on that one, too. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have went into the Capitol. There's no sure. way I would have not gone in the Capitol oh, okay. at that point. But I know myself. It'd be so easy enough. at that point, right? Thank you. Uh, we would have way better show ratings. I, I mean, it would have gone through the roof. But <laughs> all that aside, it's still the idea that they had pe- they held people in jail without a trial for two years. Like, this is, this is still the United States of America. You still have inalienable constitutional rights endowed upon you by your creator. The government does not just get to snap their fingers and go... Well, what you did was so heinous, you don't get a trial right away. We're just going to keep you here, ruin your life, ruin your business, and then make you plead. Like, that is wrong. And it, So Vavek, God bless him, at least he's bringing it up and pointing it out to a, this is stuff you know, this is stuff I know, I don't know you well, but it seems like you're on the same wavelength of conspiracy theory is way too many come true. And I don't watch any of the mainstream stuff, and I don't watch any legacy media. But I know the people that do are listening to him, and this is the first time they're hearing that side of it. And something might stick with them. You would like to think that even in the people who are in the side of, okay, that was a really bad thing, if given the right information, be like, oh, well, maybe that doesn't really jive in with the thing. You'd like to think that there is some wiggle room in some most people's minds. I mean, there's some people there are, you know, it is what it is, like, it's political. They're never going to think. But you like to think the, the mushy middle, I like to call them, that would eventually be like, eh, maybe this person actually is onto something, has some points to make, and maybe I should come off of that position. I don't think most people are so wrapped up into politics that they are, like, you know, dug into one side or the other sure. on the January 6th stuff. I think depending on whose side they're hearing more is the, the side that they tend to decide on. Um, but to your point, I do think it's great for the CNN masses to kind of be exposed to at least an attempt at an alternative version of what happened there. So let me see if I can get this uh, uh, video to play here and uh, with audio, and then we'll uh, comment after it there. Week, you use the phrase inside job to describe what happened on January 6th. The next day, Capitol rioter Alan Hosteller uh, highlighted your comments at his center. All right, I'm going to start this over. I don't think this is working. U.S. Capitol, are you concerned that a convicted felon like that is now promoting your comments in court? So here's my concern, Abby, and I want to tell you guys where I'm at. I'm going to stop because I couldn't get the, I couldn't get the echo to go away. I still can't. What echo? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I think we touched on what he actually did. Um, I apologize for those playing at home uh, that I could not pull that. But I encourage you to go uh, check out that clip. I think it's about five minutes, 5.09 it looks like. Um, The part that made me, I guess, warm inside was that even though the CNN uh, moderator there tried to just continue to talk over him, Vivek just continued to talk over her, like, I'm going to get what I want to say out regardless of how you want me to steer the conversation. So... To both of your points, sir, I'm glad that he is. I'm glad there's been a Republican primary for the sole reason of hopefully the 
removal of Nikki Haley from political life because she's terrible and this rise and how do great you to think have she, two she Indians. wants to be in the political life. She's doing this for money. Yeah. I mean, she was broke when she left, you know, South Carolina and she's not broke anymore because she's on the board of Raytheon or whatever. So, um, or some other defense contractor. I can't remember exactly which one, but she's on the board of some defense contractor conveniently. So, yeah, I hope that she goes away along with like the Chris Christie's of the world. Like their time has come and gone and, you know, it never should have been. Uh, but Vivek is the one silver lining of the Republican uh, primary. So I, like I said, I can't vote in the primary, so I won't be getting, none of these people will be getting my vote in the primary. But if Vivek won the Republican nominee, I would contemplate hardly voting for him in the general election. I get it. So I right. think it's interesting that it's become, that's what everybody's talking about with regards to the Republican primary and not Ron DeSantis, who's in second place. Like, nobody cares. Well, <laughs> Just, it's, I, this whole primary has been seemingly a waste. Nobody, nobody thought Trump, I mean, I didn't think, I know most people who played were not thinking Trump was ever going to participate in any one of these primary or these debates because he was dominating in the polls. Like, well, there's no, no reason for him to do it. So, you know, again, I'm glad Vivek is part of the uh, the discussion at least. You know, he's done the the right way. He kind of he's he does CNN and all the he does he does goes everywhere, right? He goes on. Mm-hmm. I've seen him go on podcasts where like the dude has called him a complete scammer, and he went on anyway. So um, to his credit, I guess you know, and he has the gift of gab, which is must give him confidence going into these hostile situations, knowing that I can just you know take a deep breath and come out with words that are going to make me sound the way I want to sound. So it's, yep. there's got to be a nice, again, a, a confidence booster, but a nice relief knowing that you can, you know, explain your position well and have information to kind of back it up. So go Vivek, I guess, for the time being. All right, let's switch gears one I more time. I don't think Americans are ready for a president Ramaswamy. I don't think most of them can say it. No, for sure. I, like just sorry. I, mean, I don't know. We had... Barack Obama. That was, I mean, people can pronounce that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he could have just stuck with Barry. He he could have, but never mind. we're not going it. down that. You're not no. getting me to go down that road. It's not happening. All right. Since since I forgot at the beginning of the show, let me remind everybody to like the video, share the video, and subscribe to the channel. And if you're uh, listening at home on the uh, podcast, uh, a five star rating review goes a long way to help expose the show. All right. Another. Uh, this is, I want to talk Julian Assange, uh, and not specifically Julian Assange uh, directly, but I think there's a case that's happening in the Southern District of New York that might be the undoing of the jailing of Julian Assange. Uh, from the dissenter, attorney, plenty to uncover on CAA-backed spying that violated the privacy of Assange visitors. So, two journalists went to visit Assange in the Ecuadorian uh, embassy and were spied upon by the Mike Pompeo-led CIA at the time. And these people are suing for a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And the judge let it go to, you know, they tried to dismiss it out of hand. And uh, the judge down there said, uh, no, we're going to let this go forward. So it's interesting because if it goes to trial, there's going to be a lot of... uh, what do they word like to call Mr. Ben Husung? Disclosure? Uh, a lot of discovery. lot of information, a discovery, a lot of discovery should occur in this type of lawsuit. So, first of all, I think, you know, 
to just for clarity, Mike Pompeo is a piece of shit. So <laughs> the idea that he tried to have Assange assassinated, you know. Well, to be fair to Mike Pompeo, Julian Assange was found guilty of nothing. Yes. He was it, actually it, charged. That does seem a little extreme in that context. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, to each their own. Sorry. So, I, you know, I've never had the conversation uh, with Mr. Redhead about Julian Assange, but uh, the crime of journalism, uh, exposing the elites, the evil elites that we have uh, basically broke down for an hour here, um, he was maybe more instrumental in pointing out the, you know, unhinged foreign policy of this country than anybody else, um, maybe other than Ron Paul. And that is why he's been jailed for whatever it is. Ten, I mean, he's been in since 2012, I think it was. Like, so he's been in like the Ecuadorian embassy. Yeah, either like, he was locked down or yeah. in jail. And they, you know, as you pointed out, they charged him or they charged him with rape, which in Sweden or something dropped all the charges when there was no rape. But that allowed them to confine him and then manipulate his existence basically for the next decade. And, you know, I'm not there. I'm assuming he is not in good health. I mean, who, how can you be um, mentally and physically? I mean, you, it's difficult to maintain, you know, when you're in isolation and whatever. Um, but it's interesting that if this case can kind of bring the Assange overall story to the public, I, I mean... <clears throat> I think the public would be on the side that I think we all are on here that Assange should be free of uh, a free man today, if, if, if possible, and that he never should have been in jail at all. Um, I think there's a chance that this case undoes some of the, the ability of the United States government to kind of keep him captive. So I'm rooting for it. Um, I don't have much faith in the Southern District of New York, uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, we can go back to Epstein if you want, but, um, I don't know. I mean, we had a, so here it was, it has, uh, in August, 2022, four Americans sued the CIA and Mike Pompeo, Margaret Ratner, Kunstler, a, yeah, you heard me right. A civil rights activist and human rights attorney, Deborah Herbeck, probably the long lost cousin of Kent Herbeck, former Minnesota twins, first baseman. How do you do this? I don't know. I'm old. A media lawyer who represented Assange and WikiLeaks, journalist John Getz, who worked for Der Spiegel, uh, German media organization, and journalist Charlie Glass, who wrote articles on Assange for The Intercept. So Glass, Getz, Herbeck, and Kunstler were required to surrender their electronic devices to employees of a Spanish company called UC Global when they got to this the uh, uh, um, embassy there. They were forced to give up their... Uh, electronic devices to a company you see global that was a, a, a CIA offshoot, right? So this is the lawsuit. I think that, I don't know, it, the if the pieces of this case were actually presented to the public, I think most people were like, what the hell are we doing? Um, I'm not sure that they ever will be presented to the public in the way that they should be, but I have hope now uh, that this judge has basically allowed this case to go forward. Um, I don't know. Do you have any hot takes on Julian? Let's go, Mr. Redhead. I know we've, uh, I'm sure you're uh, well aware of Assange's plight here. So um, this, this case is kind of new and it doesn't necessarily directly impact, you know, uh, Assange's uh, detention, but 
I think there's wiggle room here that might, in the court of public opinion, that might actually get him out. Yeah, uh, I, I my brain goes in a different direction with this. I worry that now, like, their CIA is looking at this and like, shit, how can we do this better next time? And to me, it's they have you've got your five eyes. Why not? Why, why did they just use a different intelligence agency to do it? So in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, the CIA is not going to let this happen again. Um, and they probably already capitulated on their right. policies and probably, you know, I'm sure there were, uh, there's other journalists that have disappeared. <laughs> so it was probably a moot point for journalism, but a benefit to Julian Assange and, and hopefully with his case. Yeah. And I do think that, I mean, it's hard to know what kind of condition he's in, but if he is freed and has, you know, the ability to kind of move forward with WikiLeaks in a, in a, in a way that is beneficial, like, you know, that would be beneficial if, if he was right. even just, even if you're right and going forward, other people are going to be, you know, assassinated effect efficiently uh, while they're being held by foreign embassies. Um, but maybe Julian Assange, if given freedom could, unleash WikiLeaks in a way where it was, I mean, listen, I think it was headed in an unbelievable direction mm-hmm. where it was going to kind of undo a lot of what we're talking about here. Um, I don't know. That's my hope. I guess I, you know, I'm white pilled now since you won. So now I think that everything's, <laughs> well, everything's, uh, everything's working in the right direction now. I'll so write my letter of recommendation <laughs> to the judge and see if he, yeah, you have clout. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, Assange to me is kind of like the, you know, it's the, the one story you can point to to show that our government is evil and that they will do anything they can to cover up their evilness. And, you know, he's a literally the, an, an example being made of for this. Um, what was uh, what was Vivek's response to Assange? Has he had any answers? Uh, I do think that he said recently, because he mentioned Assange, Snowden, and Albright, I feel like, in a recent wow. interview. I think somebody got to him right. about those things. Don't quote me on that. And maybe I'm conflating it with somebody else, maybe even RFK actually. But I feel like some. I think that those three are kind of getting moved together mm-hmm. to the right. To, and, and and they should be. I think. Um, I don't know. That's a good question though. So if yeah, if he came out about that, I mean, that would, again, another just feather in his cap, I guess. And it'd be great if he pointed out all of this stuff. I mean, that would be wonderful. Um, again, I'm. I have such hope for WikiLeaks that I just want it to get back on track. And, you know, obviously they're not just going to let it get back on track, but uh, there was, it's, it, you know, I, you know, I'm Ron Paul, child of the Ron Paul revolution as well. And there was kind of like this, a bunch of things moving in separately, but seemingly all moving in the same direction where they're like, Hey, we're finally going to get eyes on our crazy foreign policy. And this is kind of going to get reined in a little bit because you know, what the hell are we doing? And you know, all hell broke 9-11 and fucking all the, everything in the Middle East that's happened since then. So I don't think that's going away, our, our unhinged foreign policy, but I would, if we could get some eyes back on it and let the people actually see what's going on, you know, maybe we'll elect better representatives to kind of pull back on, on that. But I don't know. I don't, I don't have faith right now in the current. I think if there, if there's more messaging and, and more eyes on people like Assange and what he actually did expose, you would think that that might, cause people to take pause yeah, with but, our next war that and comes sure, but along. And, and, and this is where I kind of got, so like there was a bunch of people on the left who completely forgot that he, or were unaware at least because it wasn't brought up that Assange and WikiLeaks outed the George Bush foreign policy. Right. But 
the left all became aware of Julian Assange WikiLeaks because he got labeled as the guy who stole the DNC uh, email, whatever. But and and, and it, it wasn't you know he they basically said, listen, this wasn't Russia. Mm-hmm. This was an inside job. And then since then, you know they they, they don't. It's a. I said that's why I think WikiLeaks plays it can play such an important role. And again, the CIA, I'm sure, is circling the wagons to make sure that you know next time they get their guy or whatever. But like, if Sanj can get out and WikiLeaks can back operate in a in an open, free manner, I think it's an important check. I think just on the whole thing. So, rooting for this case to hopefully uh, kind of these journalists, whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot of support for the you know, the, the stopping of the extradition of Assange to the United States and many other countries. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I don't have faith in our current leadership to kind of execute right. So 2024 is more important than ever for that. And again, I, you know, of all the things that Trump could have done in 2016 on the way out, like the pardoning of Assange and Snowden could have been, you know, they could have been, if Assange was released and then had four years like the Biden administration wouldn't have been able to get away with, I don't think all the stuff that they were able to get away with during the four years without him. So missed opportunity for the Trumpster there. So, all right. Well, we, did you just call him the Trumpster? The Trumpster. Yeah. I, 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 I left a, uh, I had a, a paperback art of the deal. I saw at a thrift store the other day and I almost bought it for a yeah. book. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. all right. I bought the, I read that. I bought the book of, I bought a book. I bought a binder of four $2 bills. And a five dollar bill for one dollar. That's not a bad deal. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's what I said. I, I know spend, you don't do money for a yet? living, but I got to tell you, that's good. I mean, investment. That's great, right? <laughs> great, 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 great investment. I think so. Good ROI. Um, all right. Well, Mister Redhead, pleasure for uh, stopping in here. I, yeah, thanks uh, for having me out. Yeah, uh, we'll have to do this again. We can talk about uh, more New York stuff, more specifically New York stuff, if we ever get stuff that. Uh, I do have one question for you. Okay. So I, sorry, I proposed that the Onondaga County County Executive, which uh, came into existence in 1960, uh, should be removed as an elected office, and we should revert back to the Town of Supervisors. And now I'm guessing you would be in favor of that kind of uh, decentralization in Oneida County? Yeah, I would love that. I mean, any anytime you can decentralize, yeah. it, people think just of a we, federal level. Here in Onondaga County, absolutely. we have only had four county executives in 83 years. Yeah, isn't that insane? Our current supervisor uh, is had 17 years and just one re-election again in November. It's just insane. How, how, how do you hold that position for so long? Um, yeah, it doesn't seem to make sense. The As far as representation, it would only make sense to have more of a actual board of supervisors and or actually have a county legislator with some teeth. But they don't. Yeah. And I, I don't know how this happens. Um, I think most people don't aren't even aware that their county executive is kind of a new thing. People have no clue about no, no county idea. politics whatsoever. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just wanted to get your take on that because I'm a fan of the uh, removal of the county executive as a elected office and just moving back to, to again, the, let, the, let the supervisors uh, elect a whatever, a president mm-hmm. or whatever it is, and let them operate the, there. Because you're going to get much more symbiotic symbiotic kind of relationship going when you and your next the town over here we both agree on this but the other town doesn't and you got to kind of have to you know figure out how to make things work i think that's a 
much better solution, as I'm yeah, guessing that, we all I, do, I, than I, the top I don't down. know much about how Onondaga County works, but I know in Oneida County, most of the focus is on Utica alone. And so Ava, where I live, Boonville, yeah. Steuben, all these towns, no one no outside cares. of Utica yeah. cares about. Yeah, and we have some of that. I mean, we do have some big suburbs here around Syracuse that do carry some sway, some you know, some sway in the in the uh, the public discourse here. But um, in general, Syracuse gets the. I mean, our so we've had a Republican county executive. Like we had a is Pacente a Republican or Democrat? He's a Republican. So maybe that's why that means right. So th- this is where maybe you you and I agree, and then we'll get out of here. But. That, that was the most disappointing thing about going back to COVID was that you would have thought, or at least I would have thought, that being a Republican, whether or not you're a Trump Republican or whatever Republican, whatever brand of Republicanism you subscribe to, that Pacente subscribed to or Ryan McMahon subscribed to, at some point, somebody they listened to on the Republican would have been like, hey, not everything the COVID regime is saying is, is real and true, and maybe you should reevaluate your positions a little bit. It seemed to matter none. I mean, I, I, you know, I guess give him credit. He did mention natural immunity a couple times, mm-hmm. like in some press conferences. Um, See, I'm not, I'm not so convinced that these two individuals or many of the Republicans in power in New York State, I'm not convinced that they weren't aware of natural yeah, immunity and these other things. I think they played the game very well, knowing they have to play ball with Albany because they get their money. Give it to their friends. And, and I know in, in Utica, it's a lot of development for a hospital we didn't need, a hockey arena we didn't need. I mean, I wish we could get an aquarium, but well, like, so it, it's a lot of this you play ball to get your funding yeah. for your pet projects. And I was so saying, you got to play ball. I told you we interviewed uh, Mr. McMahon here on the show. And at one point uh, early on in the interview, he said, I'm not going to throw bombs in a pandemic. And this is when Cuomo was still, you know, governor and America's governor. Yeah. <laughs> Now, <laughs> our county executive had made a couple like, hey, it's not easy to work with, whatever. But there's a bunch of, I can show you a bunch of pictures where they are buddy, buddy. laughing and embracing and whatever. They know each other well. Like, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't buy the idea that he was like fighting against Cuomo at right. all. So to your point, I kind of agree. Well, they that, say that to their base yeah. who doesn't pay attention right. to local politics at all or yeah. state politics even. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Is we should. Like, my, my gripe with uh my other gripe with these people is you have i think it was erie county or niagara county where the county legislators after the the more recent pistol permit law came about the county legislators passed a resolution saying that they wouldn't enforce it well in oneida county you just have the republican executive and the democratic sheriff go on and put out a press release that we don't agree with this but okay (laughs) So what? What are you going to do about it? Yeah. You're still going to enforce it. Um, but it feeds to their base. We're like, yeah, Pacenti's right. This is stupid. All right, back to work. Like, right. Anyway, I think that's where, going back to if we want to talk <clears throat> Libertarian Party in New York, I think that's where people, where the party could make a difference if, they're, if they really focus on decentralizing some of these counties and try to move them back. You know, 1960 is not that long ago. Right. And, you know, the fact that we've only had, I mean, we're, we, sh- I don't know what the other counties and how many, you know, like, I don't know how many United's had, but I mean, the fact that we've only had four county executives in 80 whatever years is, and this one's only been a county executive for four years. Mm-hmm. So it means the other three were. It's a long were, time. Right. I mean, they don't go away. So um, that would be a way for us to kind of, again, move away from this top down uh, ideology. But all right, that'll do it for us on this uh Monday here. This will be the last show, I think. 
well, we got to figure out if we're going to do a show because the next Monday is Christmas and the Monday after that is New Year's. So probably not going to do a show on either one of those days. Agreed. But maybe in between on a weekday or something, we'll have to probably figure out some schedules. Out. Yeah. I'm pretty free. So um, we'll figure that out. And, well, I want to thank you all for uh, stopping in. I want to thank Mr. Redhead for uh, uh, coming in studio here. It allows me to uh, massage the studio a little bit here, trying to figure out what I need and what I don't need. I have a second camera over here, but I don't have a second tripod, or I would have had you front and center. But here we are. We're we're going to be this up here. So next time, maybe. Um, Maybe next time I'll be able to figure out an audio clip, too. That was terrible this time. Amateur. I know. (laughs) I should have practiced before. I, I had so much other stuff going on there. I love giving you a hard time about that because I don't know how to do any of it. No, I know. And someday I'll just turn it around to you. Yeah, Here, go. That'll be the end of the show. <laughs> I'm calling in sick today. It's on you. All right, folks. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you all again next Monday.